0: This morning's passage comes from Galatians 6, and as we look at these and listen to these first ten verses, I encourage you to think about what this says about how we should treat each other. Galatians 6, starting at verse 1, and I'll be reading from the message this morning. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls in a sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will reap a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's humbling to stand before you this morning. My name is Todd Pridemore. Uh, My wife, Carolyn, and I are three sons. Uh, We've been a part of the congregation here six or seven years. Long enough that I'm kind of forgetting when we started attending here, but we are very thankfully a part of this congregation. When Doyle asked me to preach and gave me this passage from Galatians 6... The first few times I read through it, uh, I really struggled with where did God want this sermon to go, because there are so many different themes and ideas and sermon topics in these ten verses. I really kind of wondered, okay, God, where where do you want this thing to to lead? But we are going to camp out really in the first couple of verses of Galatians six, and we're going to um, start with remembering our church mission statement. We're going to review that together because there's, there's a piece of that that ties directly into the sermon and lines up really well. So, if you're like me and you don't have the church mission statement memorized completely yet, this will be a good opportunity for us to work on that together. So I invite you to read this with me. It's on the screen in front of, me, in front of us. Let's read it together. We welcome warmly, grow faithfully... And serve generously, leading people into life giving relationships with Christ and others. And that last line there, life giving relationships, is what we're going to think about for the rest of this morning. There, um, as I thought about what that meant, I, I couldn't help for, but my mind to go to kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Those relationships or situations that, suck the life out of us that that beat us down and and that kind of take joy out of our lives uh several years ago i had a a job and it it was kind of like that it was rough it it was hard and a few close friends would ask me occasionally todd how things go and how are you liking work and i I would be honest with those close friends i wouldn't tell everybody but i would say you know i just feel like the life is being drained out of me it's kind of one of those situations and there was one instance in particular that I'll probably never forget. Um, I was hoping with an event with uh, a man who was very demanding, who um, I don't know, despite all of my efforts, I don't know if I ever would have pleased him, and, and that's okay, that's, that's how it was. But the event came, happened, was over with, and a few days after the event, I, I learned, I heard from my coworkers what that man had, had said about me. You know, behind my back. And, and those words are etched in my mind. I'll probably never forget them because they hurt. Um, he, he called me worthless. Described me as useless. And I admit, I didn't do the greatest on that event. I had things to learn. But, but having the life sucked out of you, being knocked down, and, and kind of wanting to throw up your hands and say, what's the point? We've all probably encountered things like that. If I took off my microphone and we started handing it around person to person, we'd probably all have our stories to share of those situations and those life moments where we got beat down and had the life sucked out of us. But thankfully, we're going to focus on the better piece. The peace that as Christ's body, as First Baptist Church together, that we can enjoy, that we need. Those relationships that give us life, that encourage us, that inspire us, that build us up. Those times when we're hopeless, that that help us see the light at the end of the tunnel, or help us to keep going, because we're in this together. And as i thought about what makes a life-giving relationship a life-giving relationship, a relationship that builds us up instead of tears us down. I, I, I think it really boils down to one common thing, one thing in, in those kind of relationships that has to be there, that has to exist, or, or we miss it. And I'd love to be able to take a sur- survey of you all right now and ask you, what is that? What do you think that one thing is ...that we have to have in our relationships with each other... ...for them to give life and to build us up. I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. But I'm convinced that that one thing is grace. That one thing that we have to have in our relationships with other is grace. The ability to forgive. The ability to extend compassion and truly care. And to walk alongside each other... ...even when we're broken and, and make mistakes and sin. So as we look back into these first couple of verses of Galatians 6, we see the Apostle Paul talk about a situation that even though this was written centuries ago, it's a situation we run into all the time nowadays. He talks about if someone falls into sin, in other words, when one of us stumbles, when one of us is tempted off the path, when one of us becomes too selfish whatever it might be but when one of us falls into sin or as other bible verses say other bible translations say when someone's overcome by some sin when someone is trapped in sin the the picture here isn't for necessarily for those people out there living a life of evil who just have a total disregard for god This is written specifically for Christ followers. This is written for you and me and our body of Christ, for First Baptist Church. It's talking about you and me. When one of us stumbles, when one of us is seduced, when one of us is tempted to take our eyes off Jesus and wander, how do we respond to that? And as I thought about that, as I paused right there... ...and let my mind wander. Uh, I have to admit, I'm afraid if I was writing this... ...and and I was filling in this sentence... ...the things that come to my mind aren't aren't pretty. If someone I know falls into sin... ...it is so easy... ...to... uh, ...wow, too bad for them. I judge them, I look down my nose at them... ...I turn my back on them... ...I talk about them behind their backs... All of those things that are so, so easy to do. And that outside these church walls, so much happens in our culture where people respond that way. But that wasn't the point here. That's not what Paul writes. Thankfully, he goes on to give us some simple words, but powerful words. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your critical comments for yourself. The New Living Translation puts it it this way. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That's it. That's simple. That's the message right here. I want to read that again. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. As I thought about how that looks. I thought about, you know, the different situations that, that we encounter. And, and my mind went to, okay, how did Jesus do that? How did he take those situations where someone had, had gone off in their path of sin, taken their eyes off living for, for God? How did Jesus handle that? And we could look at many stories, Jesus' stories, and, and see how he responded. But one in particular came to mind. It's from John chapter 8. And we're going to look at a three-minute video that just kind of illustrates how Jesus handled this situation. And as we watch this video, I want you to think about where do you see grace in this story? And where do you see the opposite of grace? And we'll think about this together. So, watch this video.
1: Early the next morning, he went back to the temple. All the people gathered round him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught committing adultery, and they made her stand before them all. Teacher! This woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. In our law, Moses commanded that such a woman must be stoned to death. Now what do you say? They said this to trap Jesus so that they could accuse him. But he bent over and wrote on the ground with his finger. As they stood there asking him questions, he straightened up. one of you has committed no sin. May throw the first stone at her. Then he bent over again and wrote on the ground. When they heard this, they all left, one by one. The older ones first. was left alone with the woman still standing there. He straightened up. Where are they? Is there no one left to condemn you? No one, sir. Well, then, I do not condemn you either.
0: Life-giving relationships happen when we extend grace to one another. I'm thankful we don't live in a, in a culture today where we rip people out of their homes, pick up rocks, and drag them into the streets for a public execution, but we, we sometimes handle things in, in, in ways that, that might be a little bit similar. Um, my wife and I were just talking this morning about some things, and it made me think about how when we get involved with other people, uh, whether it be on a political issue or a social issue, or just an opinion about anything, and how the the crowd, the majority, starts down a path of thought, or kind of the crowd mentality we saw in that video of those religious folks who had an agenda and, and wanted to prove their point, and how easy it is to get swept up in the stream of the popular opinion, and how challenging it is, how difficult it is to do what Jesus did, and to say, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's what God wants me to do in this situation. And sometimes that's how it is in our relationships with each other, especially when it comes to the situation of of church life, and how things happen in, in God's family. So that's what it looked like 2,000 years ago. That was one way Jesus offered life and extended grace. So what does it look like at First Baptist Church today, now? How do we do that? How do we put ourselves into situations where we experience life-giving relationships ourselves and we can share those with other people, how we can invite people to experience those themselves? There are several different ways but but I think, and as we move forward with with some of our our planning for the future, uh, a big key is to be involved in a group that meets consistently and focuses on God together. It's really simple. Get in a group of other people at church that gets together regularly and focuses on God together. It's not rocket science, it's not anything, but for some, some reason, sometimes we resist that. A lot of us are busy. Um, maybe we've had a bad experience with a group in the past, and we're like, "Uh, oh, I don't want to risk that again. But that's how it happens here. And that's how it happens, and how we have the opportunity to extend God's grace to others as we make room in our groups for other people. I want to ask you to do something. You may, I hope you go along with it because I need you to go along with it. I'm, in a second, I want to ask you to raise your hand high enough for so everybody can see it if you are in a group that meets regularly and focuses on God when you get together. Really simple question. And the I'm, reason I'm going to ask you to do that and raise your hand high enough so everybody can see it, it will become clear in a moment. But please go ahead and do that. If you're like me, you kind of do this. But please go ahead and raise it up so people can see. All right, I appreciate that. Keep them held up for just a minute. Keep them held up for just a minute. And without being too awkward or anything, just kind of take a glance around and, and see see who's involved in a group. All right? Even if your hand's not up, see who's involved in a group. Okay. All right. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. That was a, a great exercise. Um, so I want to I talk to those of us that raised our hands and those of us that didn't raise our hands. First, I'm going to talk to those of us that raised our hands. Um, I know groups take all kinds of different shapes and sizes. We do all kinds of different things in our groups. But I want you to imagine if this scenario in verse 1 happened in your group the next time you got together. You got together, regular time of gathering and everything like that, and someone in your group walks up, and they have the guts to tell you about how the world is coming crashing down around them because of them taking their eyes off Jesus and and sliding down a slippery slope of sin in some way. Whatever, fill in the blank. It could be anything. All right? How would you, how would your group respond to that? I really hope that it is, as we read this morning, and and we're reminded this morning of how God wants us to respond. Forgivingly restore Him. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That's what our world so desperately needs. That's what those of us that have been a part of this congregation for years and years, and that's what the next new person who walks in off the street and is looking for hope, and peace, and life, true life in their world. That's what they need to experience as well. So I hope that that's what what would happen in your group. If you're not so sure, make sure that you're the person in that group who makes that happen. Make sure you're the one who is there to step forward with grace. When there's someone that so desperately needs a hug, that needs somebody to come around them, that you'll help do that, that you'll be that person. Because we all need that from time to time. Okay, and for those of you that didn't raise your hand, um, very simple. I encourage you to think about the people you saw that raised your hand, and before you leave this room this morning, simply go up to one of them and say, tell me about your group. That's it. That's all you have to do to get started. Tell me about your group. And hopefully you'll find a group that's a great fit for you, one where grace is extended, where life is offered. Because whenever we try to live our faith by ourselves, not plugged into a group of, of followers of Jesus, but when we do it by ourselves, it is so challenging. It is so hard. I want to tell you about uh, the group that I'm a part of on Sunday mornings and what we did last. Sunday, we were having a discussion about trust. Big topic. Lots of things that we talked about. We started by looking at an Old Testament story of a Bible character and and their trust of God and lack of trust and just all of that. And then the conversation turned from that Old Testament story to us. And before I knew it, we were talking honestly and openly about some pretty personal things. Um, I really admire the people in that group for their vulnerability, their willingness to kind of put themselves out there. And I think they did that because they knew, okay, this is a safe place. This is a place where grace is extended. And we talked. It was kind of a time of, well, confessing, I'm struggling with this. This is what's going on in my area in my life related to trust. Trust. And then most of the rest of us around in the group, we were kind of nodding our heads, yeah, uh, right there with you. And we shared thoughts. We, really, the biggest thing is we came alongside each other. There's the realization that none of us in that room were alone in our struggles. We were there together. And we shared thoughts, ideas, encouragement, um, especially a, the parenting piece came up a lot. We were all parents in that room. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we talked way longer than we should have, which was fine and great. And when each of us left that room last Sunday morning, we had all experienced what life-giving relationships look like. And I know personally for me, it helped build me up in a world that constantly is trying to tear, tear me down. So I'm going to read this verse one more time. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That's our message this morning. God, we're so thankful that Jesus showed us how to live a life of grace. That Jesus showed us when we get off track, when we fall into sin when we make mistakes, that we aren't to turn our backs on each other, that we aren't to walk away from each other, but you want us to come together and be in this life together. And we thank you for that grace that you extend to each of us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.